Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. You are tuned in to Booksmart's Authors on Show with Christy Francie. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to this episode of Booksmarts Meet the Authors, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. I'm your show host, Christina Francie. And today I'm thrilled to be interviewing Reverend Nancy Orlin Weber, RN, left nursing because of permanent disability and began a private practice as a medical intuitive, animal communicator, and psychic detective. Nancy has received two badges and a sheriff accommodation for her successful work on criminal cases. Her first husband attempted to murder her when she was pregnant with their child. Not receiving any help, she jumped at the opportunity when detectives asked her to help on a murder case. It became one of many she has helped find the murderer's evidence and most of all, justice prevail. Both her books, The Life of a Psychic Detective, and All Nature Speaks relate her experiences along with ideas of everyone who wants to experience their own sacred gifts. She is featured in many documentaries worldwide with the detectives she has worked. Everything we need is inside. We simply uncover our sacred powers. Nancy, it is such an honor to have you on. You have had such an extraordinary life and an interesting life. Tell me a little bit more about how you started working with detectives. And I would like a little bit more about your first husband. Thank you, Christina. And thank you for having me here. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's start with my first husband. That's kind of leading into first. Did you ever hear of Nancy Drew? Yes, yes. Okay, well, me too. I wanted to be her. I always wanted to be her. And I tried as a child to be like that. I would go to abandoned buildings. <laughs> and try and drag my friends who would go, no, and I'd say yes. So <laughs> that was a seed among other seeds that were planted. The big plant, I think, came when I was married. I was 25, my first husband received a fellowship for studying split brain studies and the laboratory where he was going to study was Puerto Rico. And because I had a prior injury from a client when I was a nurse, a patient 300 pounds threw herself on me and I had surgery, etc. So I was considered slightly disabled, not much. And he didn't like the research they were doing. They changed it on him. Mm. So he got a little angry. I had not seen that before, but uh, I was five months pregnant, about eight months into our marriage in Puerto Rico, in old San Juan, by the way, which is gorgeous. It is. So he attempted to murder me. And so he adopted me and then strangled. And I'm from Brooklyn originally. And you can probably hear the attitude at times. I hear the accent. I do hear the accent. And the accent, both attitude and accent. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> I knew and you were so, coast girl. <laughs> and what I did, I remember because I could see it even now. I realized that I was losing my breath, and any second I might just go, and he'll crush my trachea. And so I just went limp. 
and he let go and I fell down purposely, carefully protecting my belly, but he thought I was dead. And I'll tell you, I, before that, I was the goody two shoes. I never said no. I was a caretaker of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, when mommy worked, I made all the meals. I was 10. I would start cooking. I would do all kinds of things. Yeah. About. I loved all that because I wanted approval. Well, I no longer cared about approval at that moment. <laughs> That's what changed everything. I always say it it broke down the armor and broke me through. Wow. Did he get in trouble for this? No. He was a lieutenant in the Navy commission on a fellowship for the National Institute of Health, uh, Neurological Disease and Blindness. He was one of the top in the nation Mm. in his work. And he later went on to receive a lot of grants from them on brain work. So, no, not the Navy at all. And the Navy hospital was hell. I can say that easily. Uh, awful. And I almost died two weeks after giving birth because they left me with one centimeter apart. They were all lovely. So my understanding at that point was a combo of arrogant, narcissistic behavior. Mm-hmm. And I love psychology, have always loved it. And since I'm a little girl, I studied it. And the history of the insane asylum in the sixth grade, I wrote a paper on it. So here I put it all together. And with my nursing career, I realized that my injuries may be too expensive, but I didn't care. I wanted not to be interfered with by a perpetrator. Mm-hmm. I thought, I don't want anybody having the right to own a part of me because of their violent nature. So I became very committed to taking care of me and my baby throwing him out easily as soon as we got back up northeast. And I proceeded to work in the best job I ever had, the acute psych unit in the South Bronx at the highest crime rate in the country at that time, 10-day stay for absolutely the most psychotic people <laughs> I have ever met in my life. And we made history without many drugs, hardly ever. And I, beca- I ran it. I was offered a top post in psychiatry and research in the state. And I went, nope, I don't like being a political football. Thank, I, I thank every day the arrogance I learned about early on from certain people. And I spotted it again and I went, nope, not going there with you. I didn't know what I would do. And I was in a second marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never wanted to be married, which is really funny. So I married three times. And my second one, I had a son because I decided rather I'll stay home and have a son. But then we had no money. He lost his work. And I started taking deep breaths and I ran into being a full-blown psychic. I was always psychic. I never called it that. I was very reluctant for people to know other than in medicine. Mm-hmm. In the healthcare system, the doctors listened to me and gave me the right to say to them, no, do this kind of work, not that. That's not it. I could throw doctors off my psych unit and did. <laughs> Everyone heard because I could see past the hallucination what was causing it. And I could talk to the client and have them break through. I loved seeing the breakthroughs. Yeah. So I understood that. And in my practice, I had to move and I was doing very well. Within six months, I was full-time psychic in the 70s. 
I didn't know anybody did that work. Yeah. I just made it up as I went. So 1979, I moved to New Jersey and I was taking karate and my son was taking karate and his instructor said, we had a rape murder. And I go, oh. and I give her a description of a male. And she said, oh, would you talk to my superior officer? I thought, hmm. she said, ever work with the police? I said, why do you want to know? <laughs> she said, well, I, because I had never worked with them, but boy, would I like to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, who knows what I can do? I don't know. I was just making it up. And the next week he came uh, to the karate class and he goes, he points his finger to come hips. And I thought, Sesame Street, Ernie. <laughs> we go over and he stands by my side. He said, you know, I may believe in all this. Tell me what you saw. So I told him. And he said, okay, I need to talk to you tomorrow with my partner. I said, sure. And I lived local to the police station. So they came over. And they sat on a little two-seater and I sat opposite them. And they said, we have a problem with your description. I said, why? They said, well, one of them, um, it can't be both. And we have two. And I laughed and I said, no, you don't. <laughs> and understand, I never understand what's going on. I just do it. Yeah. I don't argue the point. I just do it. So I stood up and I limped across the room and sat back down. And I crossed my arms and I looked at them. <laughs> and they said, how did you know one had that limp? I said, it's easy. I became him. And I'm thinking, you're crazy yourself. <laughs> so they went back and got a full confession telling him they had an eyewitness. Me. Wow. And that began 10 years with that particular detective who became county chief the next year. We worked on every unsolved case, including the history of the town's unsolved cases, to see if we can reason out and and find new evidence and we found plenty mm -hmm. and I worked with him with the uh, investigative department of the attorney general's office as a confidential informant which I can say now yeah later because I, the only cases I ever speak are fully adjudicated and they're away for life mm -hmm. so that was the start of 42 years of working on criminal cases as an not my application as my sidebar. Mm -hmm. Wow, <laughs> that is pretty interesting. So why do you think you have this ability? And when did you realize that you were, a, you know, a psychic? Was it when you were younger or when you, you know, kind of matured more in your 20s? Like, tell us a little bit more about this psychic ability. First, I think everybody has it. I we tell anybody who's asking, go look up the root of the word. It's from the Greek meaning soul. So if you have a soul, you're psychic. And also if you have a body, a body-mind, you're psychic. Uh, when you dream, you see pictures, mm -hmm. right? Not everybody sees them but it, because they're in deep sleep and not everybody remembers seeing them. But pretty much it comes. Well, that's your pineal gland, that's your brain, that's your nervous system and blood, all operating as a video camera. So psychic clairvoyance has a lot to do with the health of all that. And 
It has a lot to do with either you were encouraged or discouraged early on when you were very intuitive or you knew things like secrets that they told because you can read them. We'll call it, you know, that's why we call it a reading. That gut instinct is also operating. And so it's all this package that a lot of people cover up. I didn't cover up and I, I think it was partly my rebellion in my house, in the house I grew up in. And not, but it's also what I really discovered because I was like two the first time where I saw this image of something in this woman's belly. She was talking to my mother in the living room and I had a, what I'll call some being say to me, that's a baby. And I go, oh, and I toddle out, right? And I go, baby. And she looks at my my mother. <laughs> she said, I just found out from my doctor. How does she know? And my mother turns and said, go to your room, Nancy. And I went back to my room, curious on how I knew, more important than what my mother said. I yeah. kind of discounted that. Yeah, I'm like, how did I know that? <laughs> right. Well, that always fascinated me about there's more to life than out here. Mm-hmm. There's something else going on that connects all of us. So if you're asking me, did I ever know? I never called it that, ever. I thought, oh, we're all... Well, now I can say we're all wireless. We're always in connection with the birds, the trees, the every life form. It doesn't matter if you want to. So I started looking at all of that, what makes a difference. And that's what interests me in psychology and psychiatry. I wanted to know the difference about why would somebody hallucinate and others say, and be, you know, and yet schizophrenics are very psychic. Oh, I didn't know that. They, well, we had a a 12 bed and a large staff. And so every morning we'd have this conference at the acute unit and a a new paranoid schizophrenic would come in. Mm -hmm. They'd sum up the whole feel of everybody there in seconds. It's like people give a label to autism. The spectrum is huge, et cetera. But most of them are brilliant. They're super bright people. And it's just the wiring is so intense. Mm-hmm. Right? So for some of us, we get very curious about all of it. I mean, I've worked and researched in a lot of the fields because I'm curious. And so the word psychic, I never put it together until my acute psych unit. And look, how did I know that that woman walking back and forth calling me something I can't repeat here? wasn't about me. And I looked up and I knew admission. I see this long haired blonde image in her abdomen by her solar plexus. And I jump up and I go, who's Celia? And she said, you see her? I said, yes, I do. And that's when I realized possession is obsession. Right. And I said, okay, so who is she? And we, we put it together. Uh, she lived in the South. And she was a a young black woman married to a a young black man who found Celia and he went to bed with her in their home and then threw her out of her house. And she came up north to be with her daughter and her daughter's husband later. And she probably was pregnant at that time. And so life was tough. And then her daughter got older, married. She locked herself up for 20 years, burning out Celia all over her body, cigarette burns everywhere. Wow. And once we did that, she was fine. 
I followed her for a year. I went every week to her home. We taught her how to shop. Her daughter came over and taught her how to cook. We taught her how to figure out the money. Uh, she was fine. So that's why I started piecing it. I still didn't call it psychic, nor did I. When people saw that I took off a body brace, I was very disabled. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out I had a congenital deformity in the spinal cord and spine that made the injuries worse. So I looked at everything for holistic health and nutrition. And then I started looking at all the psychic stuff and going, the mind, okay, it's neurology, it's psychiatry, it's all that and more. And so I've had a life of all organic for 50 years, 45, something crazy. Wow. Um, I just follow the path to feel okay, right? Yeah. But psychic was not label given to me, not made by me. I was not comfortable. Yeah. Now it doesn't matter. It's what people think, you know, what they know. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, I feel like more mainstream now, you know, hmm. having psychics, tarot readers, et cetera. You know, I know they're different, but, you know. People no. are, are, it's all the same. It's all the same. Yeah, it's all focus. Yeah. She said everybody, everything's connected to everything, right? And before that, people have said that. So when we learned that, I did tarot at the beginning just because I was curious. It's your focus. So you're picking up information in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. one. Yeah, it's fun. Um, so That's you mentioned fun. that you were a nurse. Like, Did you know you were psychic when you were, you know, a nurse as well? Can you give like an example or a story? Sure, I can give several. The first one, I was 19. I had just turned 19. I became a nurse. And it was about three or four months into it. And I'm sitting at the desk and the doctor hands me a chart and wheels and his new patient is being wheeled. And I look and I go, why do I congestive heart failure? He doesn't have that. And he said, what? I said, do an upper GI. And of course, part of me isn't even, no no thinking, no thought. Yeah. <laughs> word. No wonder my parents sometimes backpedal, right? Yeah. They're just word vomit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> or anybody. So <laughs> he went and did the upper GI and came back and said, how did you know? And I said, you don't see it. And that's that was a seed that took me a long time to recognize. And again, I mean, it's about 10 or 11 years later uh, that I worked the acute psych unit and realized they offered me everything. They wanted me as the supervisor before I even had an experience. And I said, no, I need the experience. And they said, but we want you to run it. I said, I will not run it. I need to work with the patients. I don't have that experience. And so as soon as they could, they tried to get me to run everything. And it, that's where I learned that, oh, my gosh, it really is something important. I didn't see it as important. Mm -hmm. I just saw this things I know. And I guess part of it is, you know, given the time, as you say, current, and then then where, when I was doing this, when I opened up practice, the physicians who came to me, some of them, came 7 a.m. in the morning because they didn't want anybody to know. Wives didn't want me to 
do anything, you know, say anything because their husbands didn't know. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't the bulk of it, but it was some of that that said, uh, let's see how I can be very professional in this because this is not the way I like living. Yeah, I don't like lying. I don't like playing the game. And I don't like having to cover up for other people who are lying. So I made it a very professional thing as much as I could. And I think once I lived with that and accepted that, um, I still think of it as soul-to-soul communication. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so fascinating. You have such a fascinating life. Um, so can anyone learn how to develop their own abilities? I believe everyone can learn. Everyone has skills. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, it's a, it's the same thing as <clears throat> when you were little, did you have a dream to do something in life? Yes. And did you do it? I think I'm on the path now. Right. So that dream took a while to come out. Yeah. It did. Right? Yes, it did. It's still, it, I think it's still unfolding. Exactly. And so is mine. It will never stop, I hope. So when... When we say, is everybody psychic? Of course they are. It is the gut instinct, but it's also, I'll go into a part. If a lot of people who have a lot of antibiotics in their system, according to a symposium from neuros, uh, neurologists, it takes seven years to rebuild the good bacteria in your gut unless you are on probiotics. So if you're not, you know, get, gut instinct is not going to operate so well. It's going to inform the brain a little iffy Mm -hmm. and if there's no clarity in the body mind whatever is coming through let's say channeled mediumship and all of it and connecting the light wave activity to the body mind it's not going to come through as clear yeah i know doing the work i had i was all organic i was mostly a vegan I was very clean living. I did yoga every day by myself and anybody who would come over. You want to do yoga with me? I got 40 minutes. Let's go. Obviously, I I never took a course in pretty much anything. I didn't have the money at the beginning. So meditation, I made up as I went along. And within six months, I was teaching classes and workshops and yada, yada. That took me into a deep dive. So for me, I think, yeah, it's called practice. Yeah. And they do say that your mind and your gut are connected. Big time. Big time. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of people probably have like stomach issues is because it's like your body giving you signals of, you know, you're in danger or whatever it is. Yes. Um, and so you have to work on that. Our bodies are so amazing how it lets us know that something's wrong and we just don't like listen to it sometimes and that's just taking a step back and listening to it meditating you know having your quiet time for yourself absolutely so on we know that now the mind is in every cell of the body if anybody ever wants to read anything fascinating and difficult but one sentence at a time kind of thing the molecules of emotions by dr candace P-E-R-T, was the leading neuropeptide expert in the world who proved emotions are in every cell of the body. The chemistry of emotions, and it can switch us off, which is why 
um, when I work uh, with new detectives or federal agencies and they don't know me, I have to explain something to them that I may appear to be an ice queen when I work. And I will tell you what I see. And it may sound God awful because murder is and, and all kinds of other offenses are. However, if I touch into my emotions about it, I won't be clear. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You have to have your wall up, you know, and mm. right, murder is not crime is not pretty, you know, and it takes a special someone like you to be able to to do work like that. So I'm so curious, have you found any missing people? Uh, many years ago, back in at this one, I can talk. <laughs> there was a sheriff's investigator who read in a newspaper that a woman he went to high school with had been in court many times about her ex-husband violent and she had three children and it turned out that her first lawyer was a cokehead so he was prosecuted and jailed and that was her lawyer who let the husband take over the house with the three kids she finally got it back and the day she got it all back he absconded with the three children out of state so and we had no computers and a lot of police yeah and a lot of the, the state-by-state state law enforcement did not speak to each other easily. They weren't so friendly with each other, some of them. Mm-hmm. And so I was on a radio show, and the woman's mother uh, heard me, gave her the number. I said, sure. And so she came over with the sheriff's investigator, who turned out to be one of the top experts in missing persons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll never forget. He stood at the door, and he looks at me. And he goes, you know, I don't believe in any of this. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I have no. I said, I have no idea if I can be of use. So we go upstairs and to my office at the time, and we sit and we talk. And I'm, in, I never know if I'm really in connection or not. I have no clue until we get through. Mm-hmm. But I saw Texas, and I saw. A, something called Euless because I didn't know cities or any of that. Yeah. And so I got out an encyclopedia with a map. Only my the sheriff's investigator, Lou, Master of All, he looked at me and he goes, Yeah, we traced to Euless. Huh. I said, Oh, where is that? Yeah. So then we go to the next uh he said, but they left. And I was able to give them some ideas about what the children went through. Their shoes were too tight. One was bitten by a dog and had stitches, but it's fine. She'll be fine. She has the tiniest scar above her upper lip. And I didn't know if it was real or not. Yeah. And that eldest of the three was about seven or eight. She was in charge of making sure the kids got food and all that. And that he was with a woman. And I gave all the details, not knowing anything. And he said, we think he's with a woman, etc. Don't know the rest. I said, but he's in California. Where? Well, months go by sometimes because they had other things to do. They came back. She was on the phone with me every week, et cetera. And he comes back and, okay, so we're in California. Finally. I mean, four hours into a talk. This is quite a while. And I said, it's by the ocean. It's, I think, East Street or M Street. I don't remember. And et cetera. Okay, but what city? California is a big state. And I'm going, I don't know. 
I just like, I just won't go to sleep now. I'm so tired. I know. My brain go sleepy. And I'm going, I don't know. How do you get out of this? And so my dog was sleeping on me, a rescue. I was a rescue agent, among others. And she was wonderful. And I named her. And she wakes up, looks at me, and I go, Ramona, like she wanted something. She just looks at me. And I said, Ramona. And he goes, Ramona, California. I had no idea that existed. None. Yeah. I said, yeah, Ramona, California. And that's the second time she helped solve a case. Wow. No. That's a, wow. And so, and they were in Ramona, California? They were, and it took weeks before the police in California would go to the address. They found the address, they found everything, and when they knocked on the door, he had moved the day before. But now we knew where he was. Yeah. Because he got a job. He's in Honolulu, Hawaii. Trouble was, no one had ever tested in the state of New Jersey, making it a felony. It was always nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? Laws didn't cover it. Yeah. Right. And so Carter had just signed the bill and they had written up the bill, whatever it was. And so Lou went to the judge and said, I need a bench warrant to go to Honolulu to pick up these three kids against the husband. And the judge said, well, how do you know where they are? He said, the psychic I'm working with told me. <laughs> well, did you tell him that? And he said, yes. And he said, yes, here's the bench warrant. And Many years later, I met the judge outside somewhere. He was retired. And I said, you know, you could have lost your judgeship trusting me. Yeah. I got scared. And he said, mm, it was worth it. Totally. And the kids came back exactly when I told the mom. She called and I said, you're flying out on Friday, 4 p.m. Under an arch, the three of them will come out. And that's what happened. Wow. And one did get bitten by a dog. The t- shoes were too tight. And that's what taught me again and again, we're all connected. All we have to do is focus. Mm -hmm. It's how we focus. If we don't focus with love, maybe we'll get some things, but they won't be useful for anybody, including ourselves. So, yeah. That's such an incredible story. The mother was so happy to be reunited with her children. Oh, my God. I couldn't imagine. No one can imagine. So many of them. I was on Ricky Lake when she had a show many years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was all filled with parentally abducted children. And one of them, I was able to tell him what would happen. And it happened. And the baby was returned. So, but I wouldn't tell him in front of people. Because the thing that bothers me is don't tell everybody. I even look at the the, the uh, cop shows, not the nonfiction cop shows are safe of me. I can't look at real. I've seen too much of it. But when I look and I go, stop telling people how to kill. I know, right? <laughs> smack you a little bit around. Don't do this. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, Nancy, Nancy, that's so incredible. And so before we go, do you want to say anything about your book, Psychic Detective? So the book, The Life of the Psychic Detective, deals with the cases I can speak about and the detectives speak for themselves in it. And at the end of every chapter, I wanted people to know how they can create their own practice and abilities to change. It doesn't matter whether it's a missing item that you keep replacing, you know, can't find my wallet, can't find my keys. So I break down what it takes and how to do these things and play. Because if you come to it too serious, 
you're putting too much pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of activities, exercises in the book for everybody, no matter what your interest is. It's just uncovering your own sacred gifts. Oh, I love it. And people can find the book on Amazon? Yes. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was such a great conversation. You've lived an incredible life. And thank you so much for sharing it today with the audience. I'm sure that they've enjoyed listening to your story. Thanks for listening to this episode um, of Booksmart's Authors on Show here on the In the Limelight Podcast Network, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to tell your friends.